0: Tickets go on sale this Friday, the 26th of April at 10 a.m., but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday, the 24th of April at 10 a.m. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there.
1: Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Wonderful. I can't wait for us all to meet in actual, real life for our first ever get-together. This 8th and 9th of July, we are heading to Old Billingsgate, the most beautiful venue in London, for a weekend of chats, laughs, live podcasts, experts, retail therapy, and a little bit of pampering too. Book onto the workshops and sessions, or simply stroll around and explore all the areas on offer. I'm going to be doing Just that. Head to happymumhappybaby.com where you can find all the info and get your tickets. And whilst you're on the website, have you noticed there's new pictures of me wearing some rather lovely hoodies and t-shirts? Yes, that's right. Happy Mum, Happy Baby Clothing is here. We launched today, so you might even be the first to see it. Hurrah! Now, I love me a quote. I love a T-shirt quote. So I wanted to bring some of those quotes that really show how we feel. So my favourite is flipping shattered. Because, yes, I am feeling flipping shattered the majority of the time. And my second favourite is the Grow Love Jumper, in sizes for adults and mini meets too. How cute. I hope you love them as much as I do. They're ready for you to shop now, and for all those signed up to the mailing list, you'll get 10% off your first order. Hurrah! Big love from me, G. Welcome to a brand new episode of Happy Mum, Happy Baby, the podcast. Today's guest is a presenter, a columnist, and she's a CEO. After launching her own marketplace, Glassettes, last year, last autumn, which is a collection of unique objects for home and life, which I've got to say... I did just get very, very lost on. It's like a collection of art pieces that you can have in your home. It's, it's absolutely divine and gorgeous, and I love it. And as soon as I finish this, I'm going back on it. Uh, she's also a mother of two. It's Laura Jackson.
2: Hi! Hi. The
3: is so gorgeous. I know, well, I feel like it's my third baby, I'm not gonna lie it kind of is after the dog. Maybe I've got four babies actually. Oh wow, you just um, got very
0: busy right there. <laughs>
3: yeah, it was, it's a real labour of love but I'm obsessed with homeware and I just didn't feel like there was one place where you could get everything for the home and feel totally inspired. Mm. So I decided to, to build it and uh, yeah, that's what I said. We launched last year at the end of the year and yeah, it's going really well. It's, it's, Brilliant. I absolutely love it. I mean, I'm CEO. Don't really know what that means. Um, just, a of, just three, three layers. in just, charge. Yeah. And I'm like a boss of stuff. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a very good boss. Actually, my co-founder, who's my brother-in-law, is like, you can't say that to people. I'm like, I'm really <laughs> sorry. I'm the most unprofessional person going.
0: Um, <laughs> let's talk about you now. Where did you grow up? I'm guessing up north somewhere, Laura.
3: Well, yes, you're right. Um, I grew up in Huddersfield, um, which I absolutely loved. I'm from quite a big family, so there was five kids at home. My mum ma- married a guy that was uh, widowed with three children, and my mum had me and my sister, right. um, me and my sister Anna, um, when she was married to my dad. But before my real dad married my mum, he was married with another daughter. So there's quite, it's quite a big family. But, yeah, I grew up... There were seven of us at home, and my mum's brother lived with us as well, so there was eight of us. It was really busy, really hectic. Yeah, just a large, northern, very loud family, which I loved. Yeah.
0: And when you were looking, like, ahead to your future, did you think about family life and what that would look like? Were you someone who was going to try and almost replicate the chaos that came before, or were you like, it's going to be super chilled, you know, it's going to be a very different environment?
3: (laughs) Well, do you know what? I I, I always thought I just wanted one mum and one dad when I have a family, which is really weird because I actually love the fact that I'm from a split family. I don't even know what the correct terminology is. But Mm. yeah, I did like the chaos. I thrived in the chaos. I loved going to see my dad at the weekend. I loved having a stepdad. I loved his children. I loved my sister. I like that kind of mix. But I always thought, right, I just... Like to make things a bit simpler for my children. I always knew I wanted a big family, though. I've got two, and I would like to have another one, which makes me feel terrified. Well, <laughs> um, but... how old are they now? One and two. Oh my god! <laughs> Do you know what? I'd have. I said to my husband the other day, I was like, "Do you know what?" if I got pregnant with twins, it wouldn't be the worst thing, would it? And he was like, you're mad, you're (laughs) absolutely bonkers, what's wrong with you? And it would be really difficult, I'm sure, but, yeah, like I said, I do thrive in the chaos of it all, and I do really love being a mum.
0: Yeah. It must have been strange for you, like, having... So you and your sister, and then all of a sudden having these, like, more siblings in the mix. Was it a step for you guys going from that? And did it all happen... I guess, in a, in a seamless way if you all moved in together?
3: Well, I was really young when my mum remarried. I must have been three or four, so I don't really remember a time without my stepdad in my life as that role of a stepdad, really. I do remember going to my dad at the weekend really young, and I, I loved spending the weekend with him, you know, because it was me, my sister, and my and my dad, and it was a yeah. lot quieter. And it was a real gear change from what was happening at home with my mum and yeah it's like being from a blended family is brilliant and it also massively has its challenges you know yeah. and actually i read uh, Anya Highmarsh's book if in doubt wash your hair and her i've never spoken or heard anybody talk about being in a blended family where one of the parents was widowed and it, it really struck a chord with me and I, I i i there were so many things that she said that i felt really aligned and synergy with with my feelings, but yeah, it was it it was brilliant and different in equal measure. Yeah. But I didn't know I didn't know anything else. Yeah. And I think that I say this to you the other day: when you're northern, you're just told that you've got to work hard to get what you want. Yeah. So it's really it's difficult for me to take a break. It's different difficult for me to like slow down and not be ambitious or not to want to do some hard graft because it's always being drilled into us from an early age that oh, you work hard and you get what you work for, you know. My mum always made us have a job, even from just giving out leaflets at yeah. 12, 13, you know, so... I used um, to go and
0: polish someone's brass. There was an old lady at the road, she had brass that I used to polish. I thought you were going used... to say
3: brass then, I was like, <laughs> Polish her
0: brass. <laughs> when did you start thinking about actually, like, turning your head towards motherhood and thinking, you know what, now's the time? Or is that quite difficult, actually, doing what you do? Because we all know that... When it comes to work and that hard graft, you have to kind of say, I'm going to, I, that you can kind of factor it in, or you're just going to see what happens. Like it's a real hard thing to navigate, I think.
3: Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure on women, which I absolutely hate. Yeah. You meet a boy, oh, when you're getting married, you get married, oh, when you're having a baby, yeah. you have a baby, when you're having another one. And it's just, you, you're constantly just. Asked and I know that people do mean well, but as a woman, you you know, you feel that pressure. Yeah. My husband has always wanted children, and ever since I met him ten years ago, one of the first things he said to me was, I really want to be a dad, and I can't wait to have children. And he's he's such a loving and, and caring man. I always knew he'd be a really, really good dad. But I felt a bit nervous about work, if I'm honest. Yeah. Um I th- I feel like I'm a real polymath hybrid person, whatever you want to call it. And I was like, that was really when I was thinking about it it was my telly days. And I was like, well, I'm not an important person that people want to see me pregnant on the telly. I don't want to take a back seat because I'm worried that my career won't take off. So there's all these things going around in my mind and just figuring out when would be a good time. And I think I just I just was listening to people and they were like, there's never a good time. You should just, Mm. if you want to be a mum, just crack on and do it. And I did. And my first pregnancy was really, really strange in the fact that we were doing up the house and there was just a lot going on. And I really didn't think of myself as someone that was pregnant. I just carried on with my everyday life. I was really like, oh, I'm not going to be this pregnant person that doesn't do this or you know follows all the rules or whatever I just kind of ignored the fact that I was pregnant and got on with it yeah but I had uh, the opposite experience with my son where I really you know grabbed grabbed the horn by the bulls so to speak and was like right I'm pregnant I'm gonna I'm gonna research this I'm gonna find out what happens to my body and why I'm feeling like this and what I should eat and what I shouldn't eat and how I should be looking after myself, which is none of the things I did with Sid. I threw myself into it. I had a completely different birthing experience, pregnancy experience. Um, Well, was
0: the result of you doing that the second time round a result of something that happened in the
3: first pregnancy? I think it was COVID, to be honest. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm such a busy bee. Like, I love being busy. I love chatting to people. And, you know, I'm always here, there and everywhere. So when I was pregnant with Sid, it was just there was so much going on that I didn't really take stock of the fact that, wow, this is a really amazing thing that my body's doing. Mm. I'm growing a baby. And I'm not really doing anything like, you know, I've never trained for a marathon because I'm terrible at running. But I'm sure people that do train for marathons, it's hard bloody work. Yeah. But having a baby, it's just growing inside of you and you're not doing anything just look at your app oh it's a pineapple now or oh it's a melon (laughs) and that's kind of it but I think with Covid we were at home and I was like god right I'm pregnant again and I've actually got time to really think about what this means and how to do this and I had a great experience at Homerton with Sydney the hospital were fantastic they were amazing but with my second Remy they were really hands off and I'm Absolutely
0: oh, because of not. COVID. Yeah, they, yes, of COVID. such a different
3: experience. It was, it was worlds apart. Second time mum, no problems. You know, they kind of just let me get on with it. And yeah. I'm not an anxious person and I'm definitely not a worrier. But I started to just not feel good about the whole thing and Mm. like why have I only had two calls over the phone with somebody why is no one seeing me like I haven't had my scan yet there's a backlog of scans I couldn't go John wasn't part of it couldn't go into the hospital then when I did see a midwife she was having a really bad day and said that she was leaving the NHS because she's having a bad time and so I kind of came out of that appointment in tears really and and called up John I was like I don't know what to do I just don't this is not what happened last time, I don't, I don't understand. And then I just started thinking, right, I need to do what I normally do in any situation, and just take control and just feel really positive and look at my options. What can I do to make myself feel better? And I asked around, and I found out about these amazing group of women called the Forest Midwives, and they were supported by the NHS until COVID, when funding ran out for them. And They're a collective of kind of call-the-midwife women, as it were. They were all about continuity of care. They were all about checking in with you, great communication, everything that usually the NHS and midwifery is about. Yeah. But that thing, COVID, threw a massive spanner in the works. So I called them up and I spoke to this lady and she was so amazing. She was so calm and lovely and just told me I'd got nothing to worry about there's loads of pregnant people, you're going to be fine, you're just having babies, it's this, it's that, do you want me to come round, we'll have a cup of tea and a chat? So she came round, oh, I'm in a PPE. <laughs> no, and I'm I'm like the worst COVID person ever. I'm always like giving people hugs and kissing people and in fact a couple of people said, I'm definitely avoiding you during COVID because you are far too uh, like huggy for me. So they came over and I thought maybe I should have my baby at home Maybe I should have a private midwife, which, by the way, is so far-fetched for me. Really? Oh, my God. A private midwife? No way. Not at all in my remit of stuff. And my husband was like, no way. His dad was an NHS uh, GP. His sister works for the NHS. He was like, we don't have... He was like, who are we? We don't have a private midwife. But I said to him, we paid for our wedding by ourselves. We made sure everyone had a really lovely time. We go on nice holidays that we pay for. Why would we not put some money and resource into having a baby, which is one of the most important things in our life that's going to happen? And after some persuading, we decided to go ahead. I mean, it's not the most ridiculous amount of money, but it costs more than the NHS, which is free. But they just were amazing. Becks and Debs, they're called. And yeah, it was so wild the thought of having a baby at home I'd never even thought about it and actually I listened to your podcast with Davina about it because someone said you have to listen to um and she is the most
0: positive person to listen to as well when it comes to pregnancy and birth like she loves imparting her joy Mm. for it which is amazing to listen to
3: yeah, yeah, I love I loved listening to it, listening to it. And I had a really great experience. Um, I had a great experience with Sid to be honest. And I'm definitely that really annoying person that's like, Oh, I'm so excited for you, you're having a baby, it's gonna be this, it's gonna be that, you're gonna feel so empowered. And I, I mean, there was times where I was a bit like, do I really believe everything that I'm saying? Do, am, I, am I really going to feel, am I going to feel empowered? Or is this just going to really hurt? But I did, it was amazing. I, and I, I mean, actually I have to tell you that I was going to see this lady called um, Gary Motha. She's a, what was an obstetrician at the Whittington Hospital. And she lives up the road from me. And a friend of mine, Jessie, who was going to see her, said, oh, you've got to meet Gary. She's like all sorts of weird Hold and on. wonderful. Hold
0: on, are we talking about Jessie Ware, who has been on the podcast and talked about her, her, someone that she saw and she was like, she just chucks everything at one of her births.
3: Is it that the same lady? That, potentially. <laughs> I couldn't possibly say. Maybe. <laughs> so did you go and see this lady? I went to see this lady, yeah, and I just went for, like, massage and reflexology and just kind of trying to put myself in a... Like, you know, hypnotherapy, trying to put yourself yeah. somewhere else when you're not feeling your best. Mm-hmm. Is it a holiday? Is it is it a beach? Is it the wedding? Whatever. So that really helped me research about like, what would be happening with my body and then where to take myself when I felt like that. Yeah. Um, and then these amazing home birth midwives. And yeah, I had 40 minutes I had my baby in. Wow. 40 minutes. My sister I was mean, at Did the, the midwife had, have enough time to actually get to you? No, no. <laughs> Do you know what? I was watching Strictly Come Dancing. Love Strictly Come Dancing. Huge <laughs> fan. And um, we had a curry and it was just as it had finished. And um, I said to my husband, oh God, I don't feel well. Oh, I don't feel well. So you know, when you think back now, and you're like, you're obviously in labour. Uh, oh, I don't feel well. Uh, and I was like, on on all hands and knees while everybody, well, my sister <laughs> and her husband, they were all just sat what, having a curry watching telly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on all hands and knees, like, oh, they're like, oh, she's fine, she's fine. <laughs> and then when I called them in, the, called like uh, I think I called Debbie because she lives round the corner, and she was like. Are you sure you're all right? And I was like, yeah, I think I'm fine. How many I went weeks were to... you by this point? Oh, this was exactly my due date. Wow, okay. So everyone's just being really quite relaxed about it. <laughs> well, do you know what? I'd gone out for um, a lovely Italian meal that afternoon and I had had two glasses of champagne because I uh. thought, oh, it's my due date, celebrate this. So I think I thought I have pushed myself a bit too far <laughs> yeah. now. And then I was in the bathroom. My sister is so funny. She said, do you want me to read you a book? <laughs>
2: I said no I don't want you to
3: read me a book I get your phone what? out and time me I know it's a, a book called cozy by by a friend of mine called Laura Weir and she started reading me this book and I was like you were insane um and then half an hour later I was in the living room and uh my sister w- we're trying to all fill up the pool my sister had the blender <laughs> a blending cup and she's walking around trying to fill the ball up with a blending cup I thought I could be here all day <laughs> it's great though seeing how different people react and respond in those sorts of situations Oh, my God. My poor brother-in-law was stood in the doorway, like, completely white, didn't know what to do, couldn't look at me in the face. My sister was walking around with this, like, blender full of, like, water that was absolutely not going to fill the pool up. And John was just, like, tra- like looking for towels and things. I mean, when Debbie came in, she was like... What is happening? You do this. You do this. You do this. And then I was like, Oh my god, how long? How long? And she, well, I mean, I didn't say it that eloquently. It's like how long? <laughs> and uh, she was like, Honestly, just two pushes, and I reckon, I reckon he's out. And that was it. All
0: done. It's crazy. My and second then, flew out like that. Literally, literally, like. Oh well, you shouldn't listen to people when they say about third because I get kept getting told about it was going to be a bit tricksy. But actually, my second child buddy had fallen off the sofa and gone straight into a coffee table that night, basically that night, and we scooped him up. And I was in hospital with him, getting him stitched up when my contraction started. So I think my my head was also split between two places because after, basically, his, his grandparents had to take him up to get stitched up properly the next day. And it was only after that, it was two hours after that, that Max was born. So I think my body and my mind were just somewhere else and i realized i wasn't breathing properly i was breathing into my chest rather than actually into my diaphragm or, or sending breath anywhere that was useful so i think it's little bits like that so although it was tricksy i think actually that it was that way because of certain things that had happened rather than the third pregnancy being tricky i think or yeah first, third birth i
3: think there's so much to be said about how fear is like fear or stress or distraction is a massive blocker in giving birth. Yeah, and I, I I definitely felt that being at home, I didn't have any of those things. I felt so I wasn't distracted by anything. Like Sid was in bed, I felt really happy. I was with the people that I love the most in the yeah. world, and it yeah, it was it was a really lovely experience. There was a point where just as I was walking down the stairs, my water spoke, and There was a point where I was kind of in the bedroom on my own. And I just kind of had a bit of a word to myself. And I really like the sea. I always reminds me of my brother-in-law. He's like, oh God, you're always that. I love the sea. But I love the sea. <laughs> and I always think of those contractions as just taking a breath and going under the waves and letting that water just roll over me. And I was just lying on the bed thinking, I'm like under this wave but I can either like paddle with the wave or paddle against it I'm on this kind of like treadmill and if I don't run and keep up I'm gonna fall off and then I've got to get back on again so I just kind of had this like I was trying to be really headstrong and and go I've I've just got to go with it like my body knows exactly what it's doing don't fight against it just go with it as much as possible and it's weird because I feel like Pain is such a negative word. I yeah. feel like it's an in, it's an intensity that your body already knows and that we're built to be able to deal with. I mean, honestly, getting an ingrown hair out of my husband's face feels like the world's ended. <laughs> so I feel sometimes like, oh, my God, I managed to have a baby at home in my living room. Whenever anybody tells me that something isn't possible or, you know, tells me a no, I'm like, I gave birth to a baby in my living yes. room. Come on.
0: <laughs> That's also how I put pain, like if we're talking about the word pain into perspective for me, because if something's really hurting, because I so I gave, you know, I, I've given birth three times and I have had no painkillers or anything with that uh, with any of them. So I'm like, if I am in pain, that is proper pain, because if I can give birth and be fine with it, then this problem that I'm experiencing right now is a real problem. Although yeah. I guess you know when you're injured and you're not promised a baby at the end of it, it's a bit different. <laughs> yeah, you're
3: like how big is my lollipop? Because I'm going to need something. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I had the opposite uh, the opposite experience with with Sid, and I had an epidural, and it was absolutely amazing. So what was what was that whole experience like? Where were you?
0: What did you start contractions or anything like that uh, with Sid?
3: No, I um, I feel like everything's always about food in my life. I was eating some licorice tornadoes and. Um, she hadn't moved, and I just kept thinking to myself, oh, am I being mental or is she not moved? And I called my mum, and my mum was just like, if you've got any concerns, you just have to go to the hospital. This is the most precious thing happening to you. Yeah. So go to the hospital and see what you say." saying. When I went to the hospital, they just kind of said, the baby's not being very active, and that's usually because they're conserving their energy, and it's not right. We right. would like to start an induction. And I think I was like... I am absolutely not getting induced. So I was in my head, like, just walking, squatting, like, around the labour ward. Isn't um, it funny
0: as well, though, where our mind goes, where we say, I'm not doing that. You're not even going to go, you're not going to entertain that. Mm. But, you know, mm. it, it's funny how we have locks in our brains of where we we feel like we're going to allow ourselves to go.
3: Yeah, it's so honestly, yeah, so true. Because weirdly, I said to the midwives and to my husband, "This baby is not having a birthday past the fifth of December. Absolutely not. No way. Not too. It's too close to Christmas. I'm not celebrating them both too close <laughs> together." <laughs> and he's like what are you on about and on my due date i was like oh my god i've not only ever been lying to everybody else i've been lying to myself about this whole fifth birthday thing fifth fifth of december birthday thing and lo and behold it came on the fifth of december so i was like Whoa. Oh, but yeah i kind of was like i am not being induced this is not happening i that she literally was like i could see her coming towards me wheeling the bloody drip and i was like no <laughs> and then i said to her don't feel well and she's like she's so this woman was so funny she said are you joking I said no don't know what you talk about i said she said how do you feel i said well it's like this period pain and it's coming and going <laughs> she just started laughing <laughs> you know earlier when you said about how much work
0: and how much you read up for the second child and how blasé you were about the first is this
3: maybe the point in which it hit you that you were maybe having a baby <laughs> i mean i would literally got no idea i'd absolutely I th- and i do think going in with no knowledge with your first is kind of well. It was a good thing for me. I mean, what what you? It's such a yeah, personal yeah, journey, yeah. isn't it? But it it worked. It worked for me at that time. And then it was twelve hours. My I think about ten hours. In my waters hadn't broke so they broke my waters and um, I think I kind of went from contracting and being in a a place where I'm like okay I know what's going on I I feel in control of things to a place where I was like I did not know that this was going to happen and I I, this is I I don't feel in control of my contractions and I, I just didn't know what was going on and I just said I really really want the epidural so they got me an epidural then I was like this is great why did no one give me this earlier this is brilliant (laughs) this is great because they were like because you said you didn't want it and I was like I was lying this is brilliant (laughs) um and then and then I really needed the toilet and the lady said to me if you can move your legs and get yourself to the toilet you could absolutely get off the toilet because I didn't want one of those I didn't want to like one of those bags and then I was like yeah can't move either of my legs, so that the bag sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um and then and then she and then she came and you know, it, when they're like push and I'm like, push what? Literally. And you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that Ab Fab episode where she's not got the hoover plugged in bubbles and she's got the back and she's like, Zoom and she <laughs> says to her. <laughs> You got to plug it in, not make the noise, and that's how I felt. Like when I was pushing, I was like, "Oh, oh!" No idea, like literally no idea what I was doing. It's so weird, is Like
0: that must be such a weird sensation when you can't feel anything, so you have no idea whether you're
3: actually doing what they're asking you to do at all. Mm, I know. I, I mean, they got the they 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 got her out, and she was absolutely fine. She did look like Marge Simpson for a while with the old tugging of the head, but loved her her nevertheless um (laughs) yeah it was a totally different experience but um I have to say which I know that you'll know about not having any of the you know the what I mean pain relief sounds like a horrible uh, not the right thing to say but you know not having any of the meds that are offered to you my recovery was like if someone said to me after the day after Remy was born I'm so sorry you've do this job tomorrow I'd be like oh I feel fine but with Sid it took me quite a long time after the epidural and after the kind of medication of the hospital and um, to kind of feel like myself again yeah. but then I don't know whether that's a first baby second baby your body knows what's going I mean I don't know
0: it's hard isn't it and what's interesting as well is for you going into the second birth having had that experience as well I think there is something so I started going yeah definitely going into my second I even though the first was pretty plain sailing and textbook I felt a little bit apprehensive going into the second
2: kind really? of yeah. yeah like you, know, you know then
0: it? yeah you know what that those sensations are and also in my head I was like well that one went well so what's going to happen this time those little niggles that get to you that kind yeah. of which is so we did hypnobirthing each time and that for me worked really well in terms of relaxing and releasing all that and in t- you know when you were saying about the first day but how it got pretty intense it's interesting how second time round you were seeing that as the sea you were seeing that as the waves and kind of going with it rather than trying to to swim against it
3: I definitely would have the third at home and I'd do everything that I did with my second I feel like looking after myself really you know knowledge is power isn't it yeah. so just kind of feel like equipped with information that will help me or guide me or do it better sounds is the wrong use of words, but just inform me, I think, was a better was a better birthing situation. And being at home made me feel more relaxed. And I loved afterwards, you know, having we had a little fire and we all had a little glass of champagne and a cake. It was so (laughs) nice. You don't get that at the hospital, although tea and toast quite nice afterwards.
0: I love it as well. It's always tea and toast. No matter where you are, it's the best tea and toast you'll ever
3: get. Always. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: What was it like meeting Sid and becoming, you know, having your
3: firstborn in your arms? Oh, it was really amazing. I, I think because with the, with with Sid, I hadn't really thought about what my life was going to be as a mum or with a child. It's definitely different one to two. I'm not sure if you if you found this. One's like having a little accessory you can <laughs> bring it around with you. It'll sit in the corner when it's really little. It'll just sitting at sea while you can have a glass of wine with your friend. And when you've got two, it's like running a zoo. You know, you've got one in one. I mean, I can't imagine what it's like with three. One in one place, one in another. It made me feel all kinds of amazingness about my mum having to get five people out of the door to mm-hmm. school. She deserves a medal. Um, but it was just really, it was just really, really lovely. I mean, you think your child, don't you, is just the cutest most gorgeous thing ever. I did look back at some pictures the other day, and I said to John, "She looks like Ross Kemp. I can't believe we ever thought she was so amazing." <laughs> I remember a
0: midwife saying to me early on, "For the the, the it takes twenty four hours for your baby to look like the baby you think you're going to get. For the first twenty four, mm. they're a bit shriveled. They're a bit, you know, they're not quite." As you think they're going to be, they will grow into what they grow into. That I remember yeah. seeing the baby and being like, "Aha, uh-huh, I see that now."
3: It's mad. John said to me, "Hey, did you hear what the midwife said? They checked for a bum hole." I'm like, as if that's the first thing that you've said to me out of all of this experience. <laughs> 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 such a beautiful experience. <laughs> I know what. What a moment. What a moment. Um, yeah, she's she and she's so she's such a Sid now. Oh, she's so cheeky. Aww. She's got such a personality, and it is amazing, isn't it? I mean, my mum said to me, "I loved every single phase of you and Anna. I, I just loved when you were a baby, and I loved when you were a toddler, and, I, and and when you know when you just had your baby, you're a bit like, oh, I don't." I can't really understand that because I don't yeah. really know what you're talking about. And now it's so true. Now she can kind of talk and she's got her own personality and she says things and I'm like, "Oh, did you hear what she said? And then I'm like, oh, my God, shut up. You're so annoying <laughs> to me, not to Sid. I often um, think, like, what did we talk about before we had kids?
0: Like, because there is so much now that of my life that is surrounded in them, you know what I mean? Like, the things I find fun... Oh, you know, it, it's all that. How did you feel leaving the hospital? And I know that the first few weeks were a little bit hairy.
3: Yeah, I found it really just a bit emotional and a bit mad. And I think I'm so used to being such a busy bee and I felt so, like, stuck, yeah. I guess. And, um, you know, every, I don't know who everyone is, but, you know, people say... Oh, only try and do one thing a day. And I just found all the, like, oh, you got to have your red book. Everyone's always asking me for this red book. And I just thought, oh, give me an app, will you? So I don't have to worry about this red book that I just don't know where it is. We'll or continuously forgetting ha- the red book. Oh, I don't... Uh, I just found all that really stressful. I just found it really just... The admin of having a baby is really annoying. Yeah. Oh, this person's coming, this person's coming, you've got to go to this appointment, Got? have you got your red book, have you had your vaccinations? Yeah, it took me a while to kind of feel like myself again. I'm really, really lucky. I've, I've never struggled with any kind of post-baby blues or post-natal depression. It was more the just weird fraughtness of it all and you just... You don't really know what to do. Like, you just... You don't don't know what to do, even if, yeah.
0: And also, if you're someone who's used to going 100 miles an hour, used to getting loads of stuff done, used to being in control, there's something, there's a massive shift when you have a newborn, when you when you become a mum, and you're both learning. You you, it's almost mm. like you're starting again in a really weird weird world where everything changes, like your responsibility changes. The fact that you've got this little human who is dependent on you for everything. You know, you can't just get up and walk out the door. That simple thing has changed. You can't just go and nip to the loo without thought. Everything requires thought. And it can be really overwhelming. Plus, on top of that, you're not sleeping. You're not getting all that, you know, the, the sleep, the food, the, you know, the self-care that you would normally send inwards. You're not getting any of that.
3: Yeah. I mean, my aftercare with Remy was, again, so different. I think after Sid, I just ate rubbish food, stayed in bed and watched telly and just cuddled, and it was really, really lovely. But I wasn't really looking after myself or nurturing my body that had grown a baby birthed a baby and then was recovering from all of this Mm. whereas with remy you know the things that i've read and the the research that i did and the work that i'd done kind of led me down the path of well you need to recuperate and look after your body and nourish your body and take care of your body and i i was eating better and like drinking i mean it sounds mad drinking water but with sid you know i'd just be probably like Grab a can of something fizzy and think that that was okay. And in my recovery, I remember we went to Sri Lanka when she was about nine or ten months. And I look back at those pictures and I, and I think, oh, I was really happy. And but I didn't look like myself. I felt a bit still, a bit bloated, and still a bit like not quite, you know, not quite myself. Yeah. Whereas with Remy, I, I, I mean, I'm a, He's, you know, he was just a year not that long ago. I feel. Great and so normal, and maybe that's why I'm like, oh, ready to have a baby again. It, it it's just such a personal journey, and I was two different people with these two different pregnancies. Yeah. It's absolutely mad, and I suppose I just, with my first pregnancy, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that person who was all about having a baby, and all they did was talk about the baby, um, and then when you've got a baby, you just don't care. No. You just think, I just want my family to be happy and um, I want them to be healthy and safe and, yeah.
0: Your second pregnancy, you didn't share publicly until you were about eight weeks. It was eight weeks until your due date that you shared that you were even pregnant the second time round. Yeah. I thought maybe it was COVID, but then in the post that you did share, you, you, shared, you said something about you didn't want work-wise to so people think you were less capable, which... It's fascinating as well when you think you're already a mum, you've already done it, you've you but even at that point and I wonder actually if it's because it is part of it. Is lockdown, is covid times, work is already a weird place to so to add something else to that, you know, whether your mind was like, nope, not going to do it, just going to keep going. Yeah,
3: I don't it's so funny, isn't it? People There's so much has changed in the world in the last two years, not just Mm. COVID, but, you know, diversity, inclusion, you know, how people would think about pregnant women in the workplace, for instance. And all of these are really positive changes. Um, But I think, yeah, I was just I I think I was just worried that I I think I'd had a situation where somebody found out I was pregnant and I I, I'd I'd. I was restricted. I can't really remember. But there was definitely a reason for me not wanting to share it. I've I've always, I think with broadcasting as well, for some, I mean, you know, I'm kind of still thought about as new talent and the opportunities are few and far between, and I just didn't want anything to affect that. Yeah. Which sounds absolutely mad now, saying that out loud, but I guess that's truthfully and honestly how I felt. I didn't want to give people another reason to not employ me. <laughs> There's enough of those, no Jacob. But you know, like I, I, I'd, you know, I, yeah, I didn't want to give people another reason not to employ me or not to think about me. Yeah. Well, now that, that you are, that's a bit dark and deep. Sorry. No, no, but that's that's a, that's some that's a reality that so many
0: people face in terms of you know being in the workplace. How, when do they share or going for jobs when do they share that they're pregnant or that them you know that's the next step that they're thinking of doing this I think there are so many things going against women in terms of pregnancy in terms of birth and having kids that it's it feels like a difficult area for women to to share in that space because they don't want to be you know put into a labelled and then be told that they're not going to be able to do the job to a sufficient standard because they've got other commitments
3: yeah yeah it's it's mad, isn't it? It's really mad, um, but I think that's like owning a business. That's you know the I want to take all of my learnings and make sure that I create a good culture that is a really transparent workplace where people can communicate and don't feel any sort of nervousness to go away and have a baby and take the time that they need because that doesn't make the doesn't make them not capable at all. If anything, I mean, Remy was born in December and by mid January I'd already thought about a business idea that then I spent 9 months working on and delivered Glossette at the yeah. you know at the end of that year so I do I don't know if you think the same but I feel so creative when I'm pregnant and just had a baby mm-hmm. it's crazy those like mental juices are absolutely going and you just feel like if I can grow a baby inside of me I can do anything yeah. so it's this like Lovely confidence and feeling empowered to take on the world. And
0: how are you managing to juggle now? I mean, it's the big question that is asked of a lot of
3: parents, mostly women. Let's be honest. Um, All women. Nobody (laughs) ever would say to my husband, "How are you managing work and kids?" Nobody ever says that to him, and it really annoys me. No one ever says "working dad." They're always like "working mum." It's so annoying. Or they
0: ask you how. I always get asked, you know, what's Tom like as a dad? If I was ever, if Tom was asked, what's G like as a mum, I'd be like off you know but there is that thing about balancing and 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 i would say for us we have to once a month kind of sit down and go what's working what's not you know and it is that i think it's between you as a couple or you know however you know whatever your situation is to kind of go this is both of us, it's not just me. How are we going to juggle this to make this situation work? Because it's not, you know, is it the case that one of us works and one of us looks after the kids? Is it the case that both of us work? Because for lots of people financially, they have to. And in, in that case, in that situation, you know, what, what, how do we manage the, the children the situation that we're in? But I think mm. for us, it's definitely an ongoing, an ongoing balancing act, I would say, that's how I would describe it.
3: Yeah, it's, John's amazing. He's he's really brilliant, very nurturing, very patient, really kind, gives as much time as he possibly can. But we're both the same, I guess, like you and Tom. We really love our jobs and we mm. get so much out of our jobs and it gives me so much joy in my job. And I love meeting different people and I just think that it's really exciting. And I want my children to know that both of their parents work and both of their parents really enjoy their jobs and haven't... Come, you know, have come from both of us have come from the north and we've doing our dream jobs and that's just from sheer hard work. And you can be anything that you want to be. I think Mm. that it's that that's like really exciting to be able to pass that wisdom on to my kids. But yeah, I guess like you guys, we sit down and we're like, right, what can we do better? We try and go out for dinner, you know, once every other week, try and do something nice together. Then at the weekends, try and do something really lovely with the kids. Jess has been such a great friend to me, especially with loads of mum stuff, because she's such a great mum. You know, she's the one with the felt tips and the colouring pads. And <laughs> and I was never... I, I've, I'm like, I'm, I'm really learning about all of this stuff, you know? Like, I, I want to make sure that I've got, like, a colouring pack and I've not forgot anything. And I'm... Just really, really learning as I go. I mean, I still they're only one and two, you know. I'm just trying to. I'm I'm definitely figuring it all out. But we, you know, we obviously have childcare for both of them because it would be impossible to work without that. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> you, you work and then you give all your money to childcare, <laughs> and it, it, it's it's a uh, it, it's a juggle. But it is. It's really hard. It's really hard. Um, yeah, it's I don't like think you say, any though, parent.
0: I mean, it's it's really hard, but also. It's pretty brilliant that your kids are seeing you do what you love. Like, I think that when I go on treks with, so I do treks with Copperfield, you know, I go away for a certain amount of time and I'm not with them. And I could either spend that whole time really pining for them and thinking, what have I done? Or going and making the most of it and making the most of that experience and just completely loving being out in nature and then coming back and having them see that mum's gone off and done that and that Mm. they can do that. Like, it doesn't... I think it's just really important and great that kids can see parents do that. Laura, if you were going to write a letter on motherhood, who would it be to and what would you say? It can be to a person, it can be to yourself, it can be to an object, it can be to your kids, whoever you want.
3: Maybe to Sydney, I think, or, the, or, or both of them. I, in fact, weirdly, when they were both born, I bought them both a book and I write, in it, I write them letters. Ah. Um, Oh, I did this in pregnancy. Yeah, so every birthday or any, like, event where they've done something, so, you know, when Remy started walking, I I kind of, like, wrote him a little letter. So I think it would be writing them a letter, just letting them know how I'm doing it and that I'm really trying my best. (laughs) Aw, you clearly are: <laughs> yeah, it's hard. It's hard, isn't it? because you, 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 there's no, there's no right or wrong way again, like it's like pregnancy, isn't it? you just it's just such a, a, a personal thing of you know the sleeping and the discipline yeah. and what they eat and and yeah, it's, um, but but it makes you a more well-rounded person, mm. which I always think is is a good thing.
0: Uh, we finished the podcast with you finishing three sentences. Are you ready? Yes. Being a mum
3: means? Being as selfless as possible and being really patient and really kind in its truest form. Since having children, I? Have learned so much about myself and... It's crazy that these small people have managed to teach me more than I ever thought was possible and all about unconditional love, which I thought I knew about, but I really didn't.
0: Mm, Final sentence. I'm happy
3: when... I'm with all of my family and it's really chaotic and everybody's sat around the table eating, having a really lovely time and I go to the toilet or I'll take something to the dishwasher and I look over at everybody and in that moment I'm like, oh my God, this is my life.
0: I love the fact as well that it's around the dinner table because one thing we haven't actually touched on is how much you absolutely love food and that must be a joy in itself, seeing... Your kids, in do they enjoy food to the same extent that you do?
3: Oh, that must be lovely. I mean, my son is one, but he looks like a 12-year-old. He's absolutely (laughs) huge. (laughs) My my husband calls him Chunky Chip. (laughs) (laughs) It's massive! Um, Yeah, I love food. It really is the vehicle for everything yeah uh and my my dining table really anchors my home it is where i come and put the keys the shopping the kids color the kids paint we have wine with friends john and i have dinner we have sunday roast it's just the place that i feel i don't know like i gravitate to when i walk through the door i really really love it and yeah food is a, a huge part of my life i love cooking Although I feel like I always say I'm, not, I'm just a master assembler, love assembling the stuff. But, yeah, it's really... Not, it sounds really silly, but love watching the kids eat. Made me makes me so happy. It's so good. When, yeah, when Sid tries a green bean, I'm like, oh, good for you, you tried a green bean.
0: <laughs> but do you get it like the rest of us, though, in terms of... So I, I find the thing that I've made, taken the most time over, will end up on the floor first. You know, they're just kind of like... Do you still get the dismissing of certain things? And how do you, as a foodie, respond to that?
3: I mean, so the phase of the child, let's say, is it, like, nine months to 18 months? Oh, my God, also... You know, when you meet someone, they tell you that their child is 24 months. I'm like, your child is two. <laughs> your child is two. Um, but like between like that kind of age when they just throw everything on the floor, it's. I spend most of the time actually on my hands and knees cleaning stuff up off the floor. <laughs> it's really not that glamorous. Yeah, it is a bit annoying when you make something for them and it goes on the floor. But they do try things. They love food. But I don't. Push them if they don't want to eat it. I yeah. remember I had my 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 dad's mum was brilliant. She's um, lived in Sheffield and they always used to make us gammon and eggs. Hate eggs, never liked eggs, and she'd always just say, "Don't eat it, love. If you don't want it, don't eat it." And I always really respected her for yeah. that. She never forced me to eat my food. So, <clears throat> oh, that's the dog. If I'll say to her, "Just try it. If you don't like it, I'll make I'll make some pasta." That and that's it. And that's like the default. So. Yeah, that's kind of working so far. God, I hope they don't grow up and hate us. It's just <laughs> it's so fearful, isn't it? I'm oh like, God, you're going to be 18 and then you're going to be like, shut up, mum. I think
0: we've got to just prepare for the fact that there probably will be phases where they do say that they hate us and that's OK because we all come back. Well, the majority of us come back to our parents, you know, and yeah. we become, I think it's just a part of, of growing up and finding your independence and stuff. Sorry, fingers yeah. crossed.
3: Oh no, we we'll just we'll, we can just all live, all the mums can live together in some sort of really big, beautiful house and... Drink lots yeah. of wine. Oh God, that would be great. <laughs> there we <Yeah>. go. <laughs> just a vat,
0: a vat of wine somewhere. <laughs> there we go. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. And literally I am now going to go and just scroll through Glassette and just lose myself in it.
3: Oh, honestly, I'm such a huge fan of you and everything that you do. You're amazing, and I, I think you know that I've loved and stalked you for all of the time. Um, but yeah, I think you're such a great person. You're such a great person and a great role model. And oh, I'm you. so honoured to be on this podcast. Oh, I can't believe it. Thank so, you so much. i you like made it on the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you're here.
0: Happy Mum, Happy Baby is produced by Pixie Productions Limited and is part of the Acast Creator Network. Hello, Giovanna here. International Women's Day is a brilliant celebration of the achievements of women around the world, but it also aims to break down barriers so that together we can create a more equal world. It is with this in mind that the youth charity, The Prince's Trust, has launched its Change a Girl's Life campaign. Sadly, research shows that young women are more likely than young men to have lost confidence in themselves as a result of the pandemic and are more likely to feel like they're going to fail in life. During the month of March, to coincide with International Women's Day, the hashtag Change a Girl's Life campaign is raising vital funds to inspire and empower young women to build their own futures through employment, education or by starting their own businesses. As an ambassador for the Prince's Trust, I've seen how this incredible charity supports young women to develop the self-belief and skills they need to realise their potential, no matter what challenges they may be facing. To help raise funds that will support their vital work with young women, the Trust has united more than 70 much-loved brands who have all committed to hashtag Change a Girl's Life. By shopping with brands who are supporting the campaign or making a donation directly to the Prince's Trust, you can help young women who are facing disadvantage and adversity to change their lives for the better. Search Change A Girl's Life online to find out which brands are involved and to learn more about how you can support the campaign. Thank you.